Hi, I'm Megan Francis. And I'm Dave Kroc. And this is the Life Work Podcast. In this show, we'll explore what it really takes to build a business while designing a life that matters. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Great. We're sitting here on a blustery, cold winter day. Glad to be inside. Yes. Beautiful day outside. <laughs> Something like that. So here we are with our very first episode of Life Work. Yes. Good. Very excited. Very excited. Uh, the show has taken some time to come to fruition. Yeah. And uh, for good reason. Got, I'm getting a good backlog of some great, great interviews. And, yeah. uh, and you know, one of the, the things that I thought would be great and you thought would be great to kind of start this off is to be able to kind of tell our own stories yeah. so that we could uh, give people a basis for, I don't know why the heck they should even listen to us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, we're essentially interviewing each other because even though we've been you know, working in the same for several years and meeting regu- pretty regularly to get together for lunches and stuff, we don't know each other's backstory. So yeah, that's we very get to, true. We get to find out. Very true. Very true. Yeah. So why don't we, why don't, we, why don't you go first? Okay. Let's let's interview you. All right. Sounds great. Okay. So first, your name. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> My name is Megan Francis. Right. Actually, that's a very legitimate question because if someone just tuned in for the first time, they probably don't know my name. So there, you go. there it is. It's spelled with two A's. The A-G-A-N. Parents decided to throw an extra letter in there just to mess with people and me. Um, and yeah. I never had a keychain. There does not exist. It probably exists today. I think that that market has expanded a little bit. There you go. Uh, but no, as a child, no, no keychains with my name, no stickers with my name, no pencils. So you had to it's be very sad. You had to be special from the start. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously, uh, w- one of the things you do in life is different from, I think the way that most people pursue their, their professional life. Yeah. Um, why don't we start with the age old question of what do you do? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to have a similarly complicated answer when I ask you this question next episode. But um, so I am, first and foremost, I consider myself a writer. Mm-hmm. I've always been a writer since the day I could pick up a pencil and make letters with it. Um, that has taken many different turns over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, I was a magazine writer and did that almost exclusively for five or six years. I uh, wrote for national magazines like Parents, Parenting, Good Housekeeping, pretty much anything you'd see on the on the newsstand or the checkout aisle at the grocery store, I wrote for them. Um, I kind of took a detour into blogging and ran a successful personal blog for about six years. That was called The Happiest Home. Actually, it was called The Happiest Mom when I first started it, and I rebranded later. And then just recently, like in the last year, I've kind of taken a little sidestep away from that. I'm not doing as much freelance, and I'm not really blogging much at all anymore. Now I'm really focused heavily on content marketing and content strategy, which is kind of just like taking exactly all of my background and what I've already done and applying it to brand marketing. Mm-hmm. A great marriage of two things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and podcasting. That's the thing I've also, I've been podcasting now since 2012. Love it. Yeah. And expanded that quite a bit in 2015 and now have a small network part, um, where I do several shows. Mostly, right. you know, motherhood, lifestyle, family, stuff, but business. Mm-hmm. And this and is this is the Life Listened Network. The Life Listened Network. Can, yes. Can you uh, can you tell me a little bit about how the name for the network came came you know, to be? Okay, so uh, it was one of first of all, it was one of those I came up with a million uh, words that I liked, and I liked the idea that it was about life because at the time I really wasn't sure how large I would want to expand the network and how much life I would want to cover. So I didn't want to limit it at all. Um, 
I liked the idea of having listened. It just sounded kind of clever. I tried some other words, but you know, URLs be what they are. Yeah. It's 2016. They're mostly taken. Right. <laughs> so right. I couldn't actually believe it when I found that one available. Um, I just, I like the. That's cool. Yeah. That's um, cool. So now we've got the synopsis yes. of from start to finish the, the career life story mm -hmm. of Megan Francis. Let's go back. Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, I, one of the things that I find that it's interesting about, about both of us in, ho in hosting this show is we we're pursuing a show that is a little bit, it's a little bit about how to be successful, but in two ways, both as a person uh, and somebody that builds something, builds a business or an organization or something along those lines. I'm, I'm curious to get your backstory in terms of uh, how you developed into a person that, that does those sorts of things. What, what do you think was the, the turning point for you uh, between living the life, uh, the, the, the programmatic lifestyle right. that, that uh, we're all told we need to do, right? School, yeah. job, et cetera. And, and getting into the, the career field that you're in now. Yeah. Um, so when I was growing up, um, my dad was uh, always self-employed. And I think I just kind of absorbed that. Um, he was the guy who like would not set an appointment before 10 o'clock in the morning because he liked, felt like it. And he just liked to have his schedule set the way. And I, I, don't, I don't remember him ever talking to me about that really directly and saying, this is what you should do. But I remember kind of absorbing that idea that he kind of ran things the way he wanted to. And that was very appealing to me. Um, of course, there was also a lot of feast and famine. He was in real estate. So, mm -hmm. you know, 80s and 90s, it was kind of sure. all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I had my, where this kind of started to come out in me was when I had my very first job, it was retail. I was working at a JCPenney and I asked for them to put me on commission. And the reason I did that was because I didn't want to be, I think at the time, minimum wage was like, I did not want to be tied to that 520. I wanted mm -hmm. the opportunity to make more. And as it worked out, I literally never made a commission because <laughs> the <laughs> department they put me in was like little old lady clothes that everyone bought with coupons and half of it was on clearance. Yeah. Nothing cost over 10 bucks. It was like there was not any way for me to make any money in that department. But the fact that I could potentially make more yeah. just inspired me and motivated me so much, work so much harder. Um, so after that job, you know, I went off to college. I majored in business because my high school guidance counselor told me I shouldn't major in English. I'm still not exactly sure why. Um, and I went to school and did okay for a couple semesters. Nothing great. Nothing to write home about. And then I just started to kind of lose. Mm. Um, I couldn't figure out. I couldn't connect the dots between what I was doing in school and what I eventually wanted to do. And I ended up getting married really young, having kids really young. My husband and I moved all over the place. And at one point, I did end up re-enrolling in college. And um, at the time, I was working an office job that I didn't like. So I saw college as one way out. But I also had decided to start trying to make it as a writer. And so I just, these, at these days, there, you know, there were books about how to write mm -hmm. and how to freelance. But everything was still happening in you know, snail mail. Right. I couldn't even find editors' email addresses. They weren't available anywhere. Um, and this was in you know, 2002, 2003. Mm -hmm. So not that long ago. No. Um, so I was literally sending out terrible pitch letters in the mail, waiting six weeks to see if anybody would ever, you know, um, write me back. And usually they'd write me back in a form rejection. But one day I did get a call from an editor and they wanted to assign me a several thousand dollar piece. Now at this time, I mean, that was like what I was making in an entire month at my office job. Wow. And so I had this offer um, to, you know, for this story. And I also had my tuition bill 
coming up due for the coming semester of college where I was going to be taking professional writing classes. <laughs> so I sort of was looking at one thinking, okay, am I going to write this story and then turn around and take that money and put it in tuition so that somebody can hopefully at the end of four years tell me now I've, I've earned the right to call myself a writer yeah. or do I just take the money and right. do the job and then repeat, rinse and repeat. And so I didn't, I ended up um, dropping all my classes and I never looked back. I actually never went back to school. I think maybe I would one day just for fun mm -hmm. if I was doing something completely unrelated, but sure. I don't see the need now right. <laughs> and haven't for some time. And I, I think that was maybe one of the turning points for me was when I realized I wasn't ever going to, I was never going to follow that path because I didn't need to. I'd walk out on my own. Um, it took me a while to figure out how unusual that was, mm -hmm. like that there weren't a lot of people doing that. Doing and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, and not a lot of people would take the risk. Um, or feel comfortable with the risk. Right. And I can respect that because I know a lot of great people who don't. But sure. I think it's just one of those ways that makes us a little different. We just, yeah. we just tick differently. You know? Right, right. And I think it's, to me, the risk component is a lot like, um, I don't know, like you wouldn't want me flying a plane. Right. Right. But mm -hmm. a, a pilot that's been there, done that, that's gone through, gone through the both flying on their own and actually getting used to doing it with a small pilot's license and then the training and everything and, and moving on. Like I, I trust my life. Right with a, a pilot on United when I fly. Um, I think it's a little bit like that. I think there's not a large amount of, obviously th there's a certain difference in the way that some people think. Some people are mm. more prone to, I think, uh, experiencing risk or going for that. Right. But I, this, the lifestyle of doing things on your own, being an entrepreneur is not something that is, it's not something that is taught in school as an option. Right. Right. I think school in, ver in many ways, public school, especially we're, sort of the least common, the, the common denominator is yeah. what everybody's pushed towards. And um, you're taught to be a good employee in school. Absolutely. And I think when people kind of have their eyes open to the idea that you might be the employer or mm -hmm. you might be the person that is trekking out on your own, I think that's, that's a, to me, it was a, it was a mind blowing experience to yeah. be able to, to realize that there's this other path. There's this other way of looking at things. Right. So for you, you have this crossroads moment. Right. In one hand, you've got yeah. a tuition bill where uh -huh. they will, you will pay them to teach you <laughs> right. how to write. Yes. And in your other hand, you've got an offer to be paid to right. write. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty amazing. It was pretty incredible. And uh, it's one of those I look back on now and think, you know, had I gone the other way, how, there's no way to know how right. things would right. have ended up. But you know, it's interesting, like to talk about risk. Um, I think that's sometimes a little bit of a, a, a misunderstanding about the inherent risk involved in being self-employed because, um, you know, when I, 2008, 2009, when market crashed and then publishing right. started to crumble, yeah. I was watching people around me who had gone the more traditional route and had been employed in, and they were scrambling and not only were they out of a job, but everybody else was, you know, like lining up for the jobs that were available and they didn't have the skills or the connections to freelance. Right. So they were actually, I kind of felt like at that point, that was really a turning point for me where I saw being self-employed, not as risky, but actually as less risky because sure. I was spreading the risk around a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of us, it's like we're, we're waiting for permission, not mm -hmm. us because I don't do that anymore. But, but a lot of people, it's like they see the degree as the permission to say they can do something hmm. or the degree as the ver like someone else validating sure. their skills or their talents their choice or life. Power. Yeah, and yeah. that's where I think it's not so much the risk. It's the, um, it's the courage maybe just to say, uh, no, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. Or if I'm not yet, I'll figure out how to be, I can do it. You know, I can do it. Yeah. 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 And, and going back to the risk conversation yeah. with that, I mean, obviously if once you've learned the skills 
of how to come up with something that people want and are willing right. to pay you for. And, you know, those skills themselves are the skills of an entrepreneur is what I like right. to call them. They're, they're, they're different from necessarily what each business is, right. what it does, the main, uh, the main uh, job that it does. And once you have those skills, nobody can take those from you. Right. You yeah. Know, you have that. Right. So mm-hmm. if it all, all hits the fan uh, and you're living in a box, right. right? Those <laughs> same skills, you can then put them to use again. Right. And build again. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, so let's talk about, so you, uh, at this point in time, now you're a professional writer. Right. Um, how do how do things develop from there? I know obviously you've gotten some pretty big assignments, and mm-hmm. and you know I've seen your stuff on HuffPost and other yeah. places. And how did that how did that trajectory sort of take off from that point? Right. Well, um, when that happened, I was actually um, working. I said at an office job. I was pregnant with my third baby, and I did not want to go back to work full time. That was kind of the um, I guess the big push. You yeah. Know, the yeah. big deadline for me was I literally had a deadline, a yeah. due date coming up. And so that was actually a great incentive. I think before that I'd thought a lot about it and I thought a lot about writing, but there was never anything urgent. And I tell people all the time, like if you really want to do this, you have to build in a sense of urgency somehow. Yep. Some, something has to be there saying sure. if this, you know, if you don't do it by YZ date, it's going to happen. Right, right. And, or you need it to move on to whatever the, the goal is you want to achieve. But, um, so I was able to secure enough big assignments before the baby was born. And I did this by basically spending my entire summer, um, well, about four months, spring and summer, um, and early fall, just kind of huddled over my computer till late at night every night and just figuring it out. I didn't know anything. I mm-hmm. had no background. I had no training in this at all. Um, I started to get the larger assignments and then that kind of coincided with my maternity leave. So I was kind of able to like build on that. And I never did go back full time. I went back part time for a little while. But mm-hmm. by the end of the first year or so, I'd really replaced all of my office job income with writing income. And then it just kept going. Um, I wrote a couple of books in 2007. So by that point, I'd only really been writing professionally for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that's when the books came out. I probably got the moves very slowly. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. it moves very slowly. Sure. Um, and. I don't know. It's like, I just, I found at some point I kind of figured out the niche that I, that made the most sense for me at the time that was motherhood, family, parenting. Um, and I moved into that and, and I don't know, I guess the rest is history. I just wrote and wrote and wrote like crazy and, and jumped on opportunities when they came up and I wrote mm-hmm. a total of four books, blog and everything else. And, and you can kind of see where, you know, you could see where things were changing. Um, when I started, like I said, it was not digital mm-hmm. really at all. And then, um, you know, a few years later, it was almost moving so quickly digital um, at this v- dizzying pace. So if you had certain skills, like I'd been online, so I kind sure. of understood that language. And I was able to really parlay a lot of that, what I'd been doing for magazines, into web writing, which not everyone was in a position to do. Um, and then when in 2008, when publishing really started to kind of crumble, or at least publishing as we knew it. Yep. It's still around. Right. It's, it's thriving. It's just not, doesn't look the way it did. Sure. Um, I saw that that was the time to get into blogging. You could just tell the writing was on the wall. I mean, that was where everything was going. That was where brand money was going. Right, right. Um, everybody wanted to know a blogger or sure. was intrigued by that. So I jumped into that. And then last year, the year before, I could kind of see that, you know, people were kind of getting tired of blogs and they were. Right. Those social. aren't my strong suits. So I decided yeah. to go podcasting because I love the long form. Yes. The conversation. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, Gary Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. Gary V, in his book uh, Crush It, um, you know, 
genesis or the, the the gist of the book is obviously you have something that you're passionate about that you know about that you can turn into a business right just using some form of media whether right. it be writing or whether it be talking or whatever and and uh, it's interesting to see how many people i've listened to some fantastic podcasts by people that you would never have thought you know would have would have taken off in that right. fashion and uh there's just some some fantastic ones out there um did you uh, you've said that you've you've always liked to talk yeah was that part of the was that part of the drive to go that direction this is something i can do well this yeah. is i can articulate myself really well and blah 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 yeah i don't know i i oh, i love radio i've always loved radio yeah. um i've had a lot of those like npr driveway moments whatever they call them where you're sitting there listening um far off because you have to hear the rest of the story and sure. i think podcasting kind of came on my radar and early in the early 2000s but i couldn't figure out how to make that viable for me at the mm -hmm. time it just seemed i'm not i'm not a super early adopter i'm sort of the person who looks around and waits till you know some critical mass is adopting yeah, and right. then i'll jump in <laughs> so, which is which is smart yeah. <laughs> i was well, i was on the other end of the spectrum yeah. i was i was the i was the guy who would find the obscure podcast yeah. i would download it to the computer i would right. somehow figure out a way to transfer it to an mp3 player I would bring the MP3 player to the car, figure out some way to get it to play over the right. car's radio, and you've got the right frequency and stuff's jumping in, and you're on the highway, and the the trucker next to you is breaking into your podcast. Right, just a it was a crazy conglomerate. It was it was hard work. Yeah, to listen to a podcast back in what's this? Oh four, oh five. Oh four, oh five. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, yeah, and and now it's a it's whole other totally ballgame. Different, and I think for me, I recognized when enough of my current audience was there, not as there as I not as ready as I was maybe yeah. I was a step or two ahead sure but they could be I could take them by the hand and lead them yeah. um that was when I knew it was the time for me if it had been in 2010 even when yeah. you know people like I guess I could just listen to my browser and I would do that occasionally I would find a podcast I like and listen to my browser but that's not really the way people listen to podcasts right, right. I would because I was really motivated to do it but I knew that wouldn't be that wasn't gonna move the needle for me, yeah. is asking everyone, hey, go click the play button on my right. blog. It's just not going to, people need to be able to take it with them. And then when the podcast app was available and and also um, when people just started talking about podcasts, when people started talking about cereal and that became dinner, mm -hmm. dinner table conversation, mm -hmm. that's when I feel like there was a big shift. And now um, a lot of my old audience followed me for the podcast. I'm saying all the same stuff. Sure. It's, it's actually kind of refreshing for them because I had... You know, I'd written for six years about all this stuff. I, yeah. I sometimes I would find myself repeating myself. Um, I'd go back to my archives and realize I'd already written an article almost exactly like the one I was working on. I thought mm -hmm. I had forgotten. Right. So it's kind of, I think, refreshing for people to hear it in a different way. I think there's something about listening to people's voices that's just more intimate and people really connect on a different level. Sure. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, but to answer your question, so I, if, for, I, yeah, it's okay. I, I remember, question. I remember. Okay, um, good. That makes one of us. <laughs> Was it something I felt like I'd be good at? I don't know. I did theater. So yeah. maybe yeah. people told me I had a good voice. Sure, so. sure. Well, and I, th <laughs> I think what's great about podcasting as a form of communication, we talked about it being long form, right? right. So you can take a subject and you can dive really deep, right? And yeah. you can you can get a guest on that is an expert in that field and you can you can give your opinion and you can mm -hmm. You can literally pull up Twitter in the middle of a show and go, What's what are people saying about right. this subject? You can you can pull it all together. And I, I think it's also a lot more natural, right? So when you're correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm not a, I'm not a writer, but when you're putting together an article, you're putting together a post, a book, whatever right. you're, you're taking the absolute best way that you could communicate that thought. All the yeah. work has gone in to being able to communicate that thought. Whereas when you're doing a, 
um, when you're doing a podcast, the subject is there. Yeah. And we can break it down and then one of us can have a random thought that right. can influence the conversation and everybody can be um can listen to that in real time. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And you know, one thing I thought was really interesting about moving from um magazine writing and more sort of structured professional writing into blogging was that some of the biggest blogs, some of the ones that were really going crazy, were written by people who weren't very good writers. It was almost stream of consciousness. And yeah. I couldn't do that. Like as a writer who'd written professionally, yeah. you know, for six or seven years and just was in trained you know, had trained myself to do that. I could not just vomit something on the page or on the screen sure. and hit publish. Right. Couldn't do it. I mean, it was just like a big, so I'm not going to say that held me back because I think room for good art, well-articulated, well-organized writing. But I think there is something that connects with people about something that's just really, I'm just a person talking to you. Right. Um, and what's great about podcasting is, you know, I'm not, I don't have a background as a broadcast professional. Um, and I don't feel like we need to be super on message all the time. No. It's, this is a conversation. Right. And I think people do connect with that. And it's like you said, it allows you to be really spontaneous. Absolutely. And kind of nimble and think on your feet. And it's right. fun. And, and I it, think people like listening to I, I totally agree. And on that same subject, I'm going to make a complete left turn right oh here. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so we've been talking about the, uh, the subject of podcasting. Obviously that's your main, your main deal now, right? But at yeah. the same time, you're still doing content marketing and you're yes. also advising businesses on that as well yeah. in terms of that, that side of it. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the things you're doing there and then also your philosophy on content marketing oh, in sure. general? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have um, several clients and, and basically, I mean, they're all over the place from one's a government health program mm -hmm. um, client and the other one sells. Are you advising Obamacare? <laughs> no, okay. I would have done a better job. I, think. I was going to say, <laughs> I have, I have some suggestions <laughs> yeah, perhaps. No. Um, and then, um, and one is like a high end luxury planter company. So they're all nice. over yeah. the place. Yeah. Um, but my philosophy is that good content marketing is helping people in a non-salesy way mm -hmm. um, by delivering the same kind of information that you would if Say it like they always say in magazines, you know, the editorial and the, and the advertising side are supposed to be completely divorced from each other. Right. And one does not inform the other. And I feel like the best content marketing is that you're, you're, um, you're sort of elevating your brand message without talking about the brand at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a hard concept for people to wrap their brains around sometimes because everyone thinks it has to be sales, sales, sales Absolutely. all the time. But really what you're doing is building a relationship with people who might eventually buy your product or use your service or whatever, and you're building authority with them. And so I use those same skills, you know, the skills that I bring to it are as a consumer writer and a personal writer, not as like a copywriter. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that actually gives me an edge over some people who try, like, tried to come over from, you know, a more marketing or salesy sure. uh, background, just because I don't think that way. I think with the end reader or end user in mind, not necessarily with the advertiser or the brand in mind. Um, which and is so the point, right? It's the whole point. Yeah, yeah it's the whole point. Um, it's, it's about giving people what they need and want instead of trying to decide what we think they need and want. Give them what they actually need and what want. What they actually want. And they'll, they'll respect your brand more. They'll visit your site more. Eventually, they will end up becoming your customer and the loyalty will be there because you've helped them genuinely. Yeah. So it feels very authentic and it, it works, fits my kind of philosophy about business and life yeah. to begin with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So making another, I guess this would be a right turn. A right, so uh, otherwise we're not. We're, we're just doing a U-turn if we do a leather left. Yeah. We're, we're kind of going in a circle. <laughs> see, if we make a right turn from here, we're kind of staying on the path. If I make a left turn, <laughs> then it's a circle. Exactly. Or, or two thirds of a NASCAR uh, 
track or two three quarters of a NASCAR track. The um with with this show yeah. with LifeWork, um you know I know we've we've talked about this off yeah. off off the air I guess is the appropriate term although we're not live. Yeah. Um, what what do you think is, is are some of the subjects that we should really aim at for people and i know i know we have an ideal sort of listener or you you voiced it pretty well uh, like a dinner party of listeners you know certain types of people that would be would be great to listen to this show uh and who would get some things out of Mm -hmm. out of it but uh well your thoughts there yeah i think that for us and we talked about this when we were kind of coming up with the concept for the show and we talked a little bit about having this avatar person and i think we both kind of decided that there really isn't an avatar because we're two different people, different right. genders. We're already kind of different. Like yeah. Both were in different demographics to begin with. But I think it's a mindset. Like we talked about earlier, are you the kind of person who will give yourself permission first before you wait for it? Are you the kind of person where freedom is more important to you than, than well, I don't want to really say security because I'm not even sure I believe in job security. But you know what I mean? Right. That, that right. sense of security or that sure. sense of doing the thing you're supposed to do. Right. And I think if you're that person, you know you're that person. Yep. Um, but just because you're that person doesn't mean you necessarily know how to manage your time. doesn't mean you know um, when is it enough? Like when right. am I working enough? What's too much? How sure. do I focus myself? Like, there's so many things I've struggled with in the last 13 years, I guess, mm-hmm. um, being self-employed and, and that I've kind of figured out my own solutions to, but I'm far from you know, knowing it all. And so I love the idea that we can bring people on talk to who have mastered some area yeah. of life or business and can really tell us about it and we can glean some wisdom from them. And I think anybody who sees themselves as a little bit different and who looks at life a little bit or at work and life a little bit differently yeah. um, than what we're taught, I think will enjoy the show. Yeah, me, me too. And, yeah. and I, I love the idea of the combination of the word life and the word work. Um, there's the other way to look at it is your life's work, yeah. right? They're the thing that you, like you say, you find that you're passionate about that the world needs that you can dedicate yourself to it usually is something that's a little bit different, yeah, right? If absolutely. you're, if you're really seeking after those sorts of things. Um, and I definitely know that the person that is, is open to doing it themselves or has always felt a little different about mm-hmm. that, that side of life, yes. uh, so to speak, will definitely be drawn to the show. But I love the idea that we're, we're going through literal brass tacks sort of yeah. skill sets mm-hmm. in terms of building a business. Uh, diving into some of those details, but at the same time talking about building the person yeah. that builds the business because a, a business is solely a collection of people. Yeah. Right. Yes. And you're serving a collection of people. You know, the idea that, and, and I'm, I'm the guy that likes to go under the behind the scenes and, and sort of tinker with the, the components of the business. But the reality is you're people serving people. Right. Uh, and how do we do that better in, in a way that also serves ourselves and our lifestyle and our families and, yeah. and things along those lines? So I'm pretty excited about what we're, what we're diving into here. Me too. And I think what, uh, you know, speaking of that philosophical side, um, that's kind of where I tend to live. That's where I, that's the space I tend to inhabit. Yeah, right. Um, just from the small amount, I know you, Dave, you seem a little more detail oriented than me. Which, some. Some. I mean, some. I know you're also a big picture. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's cool is I think I'm we're more anxious. See, I, think. <laughs> I think, I think I have the anxiety of making sure the details are right. right. Yeah. Uh, I definitely have learned that about myself yes. in recent history, but, uh, but I, I tend to be, um, d- quick tangent here. Uh, the whole strengths finders, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, assessment, yeah. uh, mine are competition, intellection, futuristic, uh, strategic and relator. So yeah. the way that I break that down is I like to think and plan winning the future with my friends. Right. So that's where I'm, I'm most comfortable and situated. Right. 
But uh, yeah, the anxiety side kicks in and just like get, just like I felt to, the need to give this long winded explanation <laughs> <laughs> behind why. No, I'm not a detail person. Yeah, don't yeah, yeah. don't put me in that box. Yeah. Well, so it's so the way this might play out is you'll be the one with the list of questions and I'll be the one winging it. But hey, hey. in the end, it works out. And that's right. I was thinking of one of the interviews that we've already got, you know, in the can ready to go um, for a future episode. And we literally in the same less than hour long episode have a literal money strategy yeah. that has broken all the way down. And then we talked about meditation for like 15 minutes. Yeah. So we're kind of, spiritual laws of success. We're really hitting both of those things. And right. I think that gives it a really nice, well-rounded, um, really well-rounded feel, which I enjoy because yeah. everyone wants to know the next, you know, app that's going to help you be more productive. But I also want to talk about what does it mean to be productive and, and how much, you know, what is productivity? Is that yeah. even a thing? Like, you know, it's like, or why I do you want to, why do you want to be productive? Like yeah. digging deep into the yeah. why of it and the yeah. philosophy also appeals to me. So I think that's another way we'll be a little different. Yeah. So, it's exciting. Yeah, so, it so the, the show is called life work and the, the tagline is build your business, design your life. Yes. It's both of those, both of those components. So yeah. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. If you were interviewing yourself, oh gosh, what is the question that you would want to make sure to get, to get the scoop on? Oh boy. Dave, that's a hard question. I put you on the spot. You put me on the spot. Um, oh, I have to think about that one. Can sure. I circle back to that? You can circle back to okay, that. Okay, you might have already asked it. Maybe that's why I can't come up with it. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I forgot even when, how long have we been doing this? I don't even know. Just kidding. Um, another way to look at that question yeah. would be, is there something about you that our listeners need oh, okay. to know that we haven't touched on yet? Oh, that's okay. That's another way to put it. Um, I think one thing that, and, and it's kind of been evidenced by what I've been saying all along. Um, I've done a lot of things in my life differently and outside of the box, not because I'm a contrarian by nature, because I'm not. I, mm -hmm. I don't like conflict. and I don't want to be that rebel that everybody looks at and says, oh, she did everything different. But yet somehow I keep going down that path of sure. doing things differently. So, you know, I have five kids. Well, don't have five kids, but I wanted five kids. So I had them. And then I built a career while I had a whole bunch of little kids in the house. Most people said it couldn't do that can't be done and i did it anyway and right. it's i think anybody has that ability um that's one of the things that i've you know tried to through my writing or where i wrote about we can elevate the discussion about parenthood it doesn't have to be miserable all the time because there was so much of that at the time yeah, right um i was sick of hearing it i was sick of hearing myself say it not even meaning it just kind of like just chiming in with what people were saying about about you know being stressed and rushed and Life as a parent is so crazy. And I said, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Why don't we like look at this a completely different way? And that's kind of now what I feel like I'm doing in business saying, um, you don't have to be the most talented person. You don't have to have highest education. Right. You don't have to be, have the most skills. Um, anybody who has desire and the mindset to do things their own way can, we're yeah. just kind of here to help you along. Yeah, absolutely. help you along the way. Yeah, right. So, and it, it's about it's about what you put your time into, right? right. What you put your effort into, because there are, there are some things that if you do if you do X, you are a hundred percent more likely to succeed, right? And if you do the opposite of X, you are a hundred percent more likely to fail, right? <laughs> right? Right. So, like you say, it's not necessarily the pedigree, or it's not right. necessarily the the DNA, so yes. to speak. It's the desire, and it's the it, that anybody can move along this path. And yeah. I, I love that. I love yeah. that uh, that whole idea that especially. Not to get all nationalistic on us, but especially in this country, mm -hmm. um, the idea that people for for generations would come here seeking that opportunity, seeking the the freedom both of of speech and of mind and of 
uh, enterprise and private property rights and things like that. I, I think that's just fascinating. And, and I love the idea that uh, in a way we're always free. Yeah. Right. We're, we're always the sum total of the choices we make. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously things can happen to us, right. That we had no control over, but we can control our responses and we can decide what's next. And uh, to me, that's, that's energizing. It is energizing. And another thing that I think sometimes uh, we lose sight of because we look at other people and we compare ourselves to other people is I truly believe everybody brings something to the table, right. something marketable. Absolutely. Um, but your thing isn't my thing. Right. And when you look at what somebody else is doing and you, Try to figure out how you can exactly copy that. Um, maybe your talent isn't their talent. You're just figuring yeah. out what is your talent and, right. and how do you capitalize on that. Not only because that'll make you money, though it will, sure. but also because then then you're in that zone. You're in that what do they call it? the flow? Flow. The yeah. flow. You know where right. you're using less time and less energy to get better results because you're tapping into your in your true strengths, not just kind of what you, know, you think they should be. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. This is fascinating stuff. Yes, it is. I'm excited. Me too. Well, should we wrap it up for this time? And I think then, we should, we should right. wrap it up for this very first episode very of Life Work. very first episode of Life Work. Um, and next week, we will be talking to you. Yeah. We'll be I'm getting a, your story. I'm in the hot seat next week. Yeah, you are. Yep. So, all right. Until Sounds then. Sounds good. Ciao. Right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Life Work Podcast. Build your business and design your life with us every day, Monday through Friday. And find us at lifeworkpodcast.com. <laughs>